I mean that intelligence-wise, man. You're welcome. Mm. Mega mind shit going yeah. on over here. Yeah, dude. Fuck you. Super villain stuff. Fuck you, dude. <laughs> what up, and welcome to another episode of Brotherhood Without Manners, your favorite full spoiler reread podcast of George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire. I'm Nate. Joining me as always, my brother with a much bigger head than I have. Zach. Oh, wow, that was rude. I mean that intelligence-wise, man. You're welcome. Mm. Mega mind shit going yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, dude. Fuck you. Super villain stuff. Fuck you, dude. <laughs> if you've joined us before, you know that we are full spoiler. We talk about all the books, all the stuff, all the show, whatever we can. Yeah. And that's the only warning we're gonna give at the top of the no, episode. It's, it's sometimes it might be because we might not even spoil anything. True. This is a short one today. Uh, well, the first chapter is a short one. Right, yeah. We are doing a double op on this episode, as you probably are able to see by the title, whatever Nate has decided to name this little joint. Yeah, yeah. Lysa has some news. Lysa has some news. <laughs> anyway, if you joined us last episode, we were reading Aria 5. Aria 5? What the fuck happened in Aria 5? Really? Yeah. Oh, the hound showed up, right. Forgot about that. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it was a pretty short chapter she, well, itself. Yeah, she, uh, she she gave some water to some prisoners in some crow cages because Beric Dondarrion would not be down with this shit. Not, that's why she did it. That's what Harwin and the others thought. And yeah, the hound showed up to Arya's little uh, stony sept, I think is yeah, where she's at. Yeah, stony sept. And so she'll be dealing with that. Uh, we're not dealing with Arya today, though. No. We're reading Jonathan. His name's not actually Jonathan. No, it's, it's just, just John. John. That's pretty... There's only Johns in this. There's so no... this is a real short John chapter today. You don't want to talk about Jonathan? I don't want to talk about Jonathan anymore. Okay. Uh, last we had left John was the fuck cave. Him and Egret were getting it and got it good. Yeah, I mean, another short chapter where we got, you know, sex in a cave, but we also got the Grendel and the children of Grendel story. And Grundle, Grundle, yeah. Grendel. Grendel. Yeah. That's I was cool. just being but, silly. Yeah, uh, progress the relationship of John and Egret. Progress John's angst about breaking his vows and the, their fuck fest. They, they, they was, it was it was hot. It was hot. Because it's steamy. Cool. And so this one picks up quite soon after that one. Because uh, yeah, they've arrived at the wall. Well, John notes immediately that Ghost is gone as they left the cave. And last John had spoken with Ghost, he had told him to go back to Castle Black. Right. Cause... So probably like next morning. Type right. Shit. And so, yeah, uh, Ghost is dipping. He's going to go help Sam. Yes. And that's cool. But he's John. John's hoping he goes back to Castle Black. And it is dawn, and the wall looms over them. Ah. Um,. This chapter specifically makes the wall its own character. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty intense. It's cool. Uh, going to be kind of crazy with this episode just because of how short it is. Uh, there isn't too much to... I'm saying uh, a lot. Uh, I apologize uh, for uh, that. Uh, I was just trying to catch up to you real fast. Oh. Sorry. Wow, he's yeah. slipping my notebook. Smacked his notes right out I of his hand because he's being down. rude. Anyway. Yeah, this is a shorter chapter, but it's... To set up the wall and how intimidating, how it's viewed as a challenge to some, how it's viewed as the end of the world to others. Uh, Melisandre, damn it, there it is again. Melisandre will, at one point, call it the hinge of the world, and so it's neat to... Which we've also heard 
Tyrion himself saying that he he's it feels like he's looking over the edge of the world, right. at, you know, beyond because to a lot of the southerners that is the end of the world. You get the wall and there's nothing north of that. So the Magnar of Then sends men east and west to begin looking for rangers in the woods or riders along the wall and Jarl had found a real good spot to begin to ascend as the wall kind of cuts and dips with the the ridges and hills and valleys of the natural land. Here, a good third of the 800-foot height of the wall is earth and stone. Uh, A difficult scramble up a slope, to be sure, but still better than climbing sheer flat ice. And so Jarl is on his shit with this climb. This climb is just another fucking day for him. Yeah, well, they're promised a reward for whoever... Man's promised a reward for whoever gets to the top of the wall first. Well, right, but... He's just fucking good at it. Like, and yeah, he's cruising up that thing, even besides the fact that he got that kind of head start with the, the trees and up the side. But. Yeah, he it's it's just wild that this is a terrifying thing to... Climbing up 800 feet ain't no fucking thing. No. And so the fact that Yarl's just like, yeah, all right, cool, we get a sword out of it this time, I guess I can actually put on some speed. And I think the name in the song... What? Didn't he say man's right, and, uh, uh, yeah, That's way more the, enticing the than these motherfuckers. That, uh, yeah, are happening. And John is kind of pissed off by the trees being allowed to grow so close up because back in the Watch's heyday, that wouldn't have been allowed to happen. But they're no longer have enough men to go out and chop the trees. And he realized that the Magnar and the Thens have never seen the wall, and it frightens them. And this is because they're up near the... Bay of Seals, way far up in the north, and so, yeah, they don't make it down this far south, and the wall is this terrifying, holy shit, what is this thing? Look at it. It's immense. It separates. It cuts off the world, and... I mean, it's practically unfathomable until you actually stand beneath it. They, they've heard these tales about this wall that stretches the as far as the eye can see and the as high up. crows upon yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And so to yeah, be standing under the shadows, even if you are this hardened fucking cannibal, this is stuff of your nightmares here. You're, you're about to make that, that trek across this wall, climbing up it. And actually, the Jarl there kind of reaches a standstill point he can't go any further up he has to start well before before they're climbing uh because john notes that it's the the wall is said to be the end of the world and he supposes that's the same for wildlings as well it all depends on where you stand which john you just like roll credits that's the message here of fucking a song of ice (laughs) and fire is everyone thinks they're doing what they're doing is right for why they're doing it and it's, it's all about perspective and where you stand and he thinks where do i stand and he thinks of regret of linging relieving her of bringing her of there's no place for her at castle black maybe we should just go and join grendel's children although they'll probably just eat us rather than let us join but jarl and his men are not impressed by the wall they've done this before john notes and he gathers the climbers they get their gear ready and this is when, yeah, we get the we learn that man's promised a sword for the first team and their name in his song. And Jarl commands up, and others take the hindmost. And John, in this really like bitter moment, thinks others take them all, yeah. which I, I really think is just this dark like. The others are chasing. Right, they're aware remains. that they're real. Right. Uh, I think it's also interesting that. I feel as though, am I mis, 
Maybe I'm thinking of the next chapter, Jamie, where they were talking about others in in a different context, but it was just neat, the parallel there. But maybe it'll come to me who it was, whose chapter it was. But So John thinks they aren't the first to ever climb the wall. Climbers are usually found two or three times a year. Uh, some are found dead, though a few do actually make it over, though very few make it back, John thinks, with a sort of grim pride. And he thinks... That's why uh, Jarl knows what to do. That the Magnar doesn't know how to play this this game. This watching for the watch and then climbing and but listening. Jarl does sure. absolutely and wonders if there's something to be kind of played into there. If he could maybe turn them against each other, which won't be necessary here. So Egret spots Jarl's <laughs> team leading the climb as they emerge from the tree line. Finally, about 300 feet up, and they haven't even touched the wall yet. And then. The other teams had no trees to use and so fell behind, which, like, kind of seems like cheating in this little contest here. What I don't understand is... Like, Jarl's just like, yeah, I lead, so I get the sick-ass And nobody else gets to start right here. And everyone else has to fan out and go elsewhere. Everybody should be able to start right there. This isn't, like... I'm not impressed by Jarl because of the speed, because, like, you got a handicap. It's... I'm impressed by just sort of the nonchalantness of it, but yeah, you 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 got a head start, dude. So you're not like hot shit as you claim to be, especially at the end of this. Magnar begins complaining about how slow it is, which like what Shut the, the fuck? Or get the fuck expect? up there yeah. and hurry up and do it yourself then. And John recalls his Moon Knight uh, climb with Stone Snake back in the past, and, and that was just rock. That, that was just stone. Yeah, wasn't ice. Whatever else wildlings are, they're brave. John thinks, and he hopes that a patrol will just happen by to see this. And he thinks of what Ned told him, dear old dead Ned. Dead Ned. No, uh, that no wall can keep you safe. A wall is only as strong as the men who defend it. And that's an interesting kind of thought to be thinking right now with the watch currently beyond the wall and on the run. And what is left at Castle Black is a skeleton crew well, of... Well, it's also interesting when you consider he is one of the men that protect that wall. And here he is breaching it. <clears throat> I don't mean it like in a negative way, but also getting like that insight well, on sure, sure, them. Yeah. And well, report, that's what he's, he's going to report. He's their... hoping that a patrol will see him because he's like, yeah, a patrol would easily fuck these guys up, chuck some stones down at them, like it'd be done in a second. But no patrol comes, and he thinks how fucking terribly hard this must be. This climb that their legs must ache. How long can they keep it up type of thing? By hour six, Jarl pulls ahead again. Fuck, six hours of this shit. And then there's a large crack. Yeah. And Jarl's group falls. Whee! All the way back down. The wall defends itself, John <laughs> thinks. And they find Jarl, which is, I did not recall this at all, ever. From Him being impaled on the tree. Any of this, like Jarl falling or anything. Yeah, impaled on a branch with three men below him, one still alive, but his legs and his spine shattered, calling for mercy, which he got by a then crushing in his head. And then a pyre is built, and the dead are burning as the first group reaches the top of the wall, and the second joins them as Jarl and his men were nothing but ashes. And so... Two groups have made it up now. The sun is very low by then. And they chuck down some ladders. Geniusly, right. Rope ladders. They chuck down some rope ladders, stake them to the top, and then they begin to close those down below, tie them off, and begin to climb up. Five ladders altogether, and Egret watches 
the climbers and says that she hates this wall. Can you feel how cold it is? And I don't think that that's meant as, do you feel the actual cold ice coming? Cold, like, this cold wall is. is fucking death, man. Like, it... It, it just, doesn't feel anything. Right, There's it just no, it killed just, Jarl and these men. It will kill indiscriminately. Right, and it, it, does it doesn't not give a shit. And John just, it's made of ice. Like, thanks. You're dipshit, So she John does Snow. the you-know-nothing no, Jon Snow. She says this wall is made of blood. And John notes, nor was it full, because by sunset, two thens had fallen off the ladders, but they were the last to fall that day. Which is just terrifying, knowing that you've got to climb up this fucking wall and you're watching people like, woo! Splat! Right. Well, that's awesome. John reaches the top. Right, like, yeah, it's terrible. John reaches the top near midnight, and tears in her eyes. Egret said that she almost fell twice, thrice. The wall was trying to shake me off. I could feel it. She says, and John tries to comfort her by saying, "Don't be frightened." And she slams <sighs> a hand into his chest and says, "I wasn't frightened." And he asks, "Why are you crying, then, girl?" Because father broke his leg. Oh, shit. That's not the worst of it. That's not the worst of it. She says, not for fear. I'm crying because we never found the Horn of Winter. We opened half a hundred graves and let all those shades loose in the world and never found the horn to bring this cold thing down. Oh, look. The last sentence of the chapter is the most meaty. Right. So, we'll, we're yeah, we're going to obviously dive into this real quick. They never found the horn. Right. There was a horn in the tent, right? right. So is this a... Egret's not in the inner circle? So Mance would have told her, wouldn't have told her, wouldn't have or announced it. That's not the horn. True, very true. Or Mance doesn't know what the horn is yet, type of thing. Uh, yeah, I just don't think Egret would be in the inner circle to know anyway. Um, um, I don't, I don't think you're wrong. I think that she. Became more prominent with that group with the Tormund and Rattleshirt and, right, and Mance. With John Snow, because yeah, John, yeah, specifically. Uh, we opened half a hundred graves and let all those shades loose in the world. Shades have been referred to before in Winterfell type descriptions. Uh, Ned Stark with the shades uh, being set loose from their graves in the crypts, talking about the iron swords. Right, right. Um, others related? Is this they're just right? Like now the corpses are able to be accessed, or it's? I mean, it really, could mean so many fucking things. Um, it could be shades. You know, that's what caused the others' prominence again. Is his searching for that, and that released the first one that was trapped. It could be something that was dormant, and you know, the the others were a dormant thing. But because Mance Did they dug kick it, it up, off? right? That could be the the thing. It could be that, yeah, as you mentioned, it just helped grow the army, and they uncovered all those, you know. Or being wildling, I could see it just being pure superstition. We released these shades, right? By, we defiled uh, graves, exactly. and now you know we did an awful thing, and we didn't even find the thing that drove us to defile exactly. the graves. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's the end of John 4. Uh, very short, succinct chapter. They climb up the wall, people die, and then Egret mentions that the wall is fucking awful, and they never found the horn, and she wishes, more than almost anything, like, she's getting emotional about it that the wall is here, that it exists, that it's this thing that blockades safety for these people, and 
that's what John's missing here, I think, is the big fucking thing. I mean, he also hasn't... I mean, he has dealt with others. That's what's, like, kill. But he hasn't been at the Fist, I guess. Right, he dealt with Othor. And so he hasn't seen, like, the army of it, the, the scary, you know, winter is here type arrival. But, yeah, it's... I, I I can't believe it's taking John this long to kind of get that they they just want to hide behind the wall like they're being chased by the fucking White Walkers and they're becoming part of his army and I know he gets that later on obviously that's uh, the whole discussion and dance but it's taken him a while to get it with yeah, it, it with Grit's response to these things these visceral responses of yeah John's standing here in awe and seeing the awe and the other wildlings and he Grit it's just vitriol it's this thing is fucking awful. And now we know why, because they're doing horrid shit to try to bring it down to them. Whether or not it's superstition or not, they're defiling some fucking graves to get this horn to bring this thing down. And we know, so the other place that Shades were fairly well mentioned was with Miri Master mm-hmm. and Shades and Shadows dancing on the walls and such. And so could it be some more dark magic released, which in that case would make me think that it wasn't them at all. It was the dragons rebirthing that's releasing the shades right. back into the world. And I mean, shades could be a literal thing that's existing in the world, and you know, an evil entity. It could be just whispers and rumors. But yeah, it's it's interesting to see. Yeah, seeing it unfold. So we have inductees, of course. We got some inductees written in, but we're gonna hold off on the inductees for John Four until we convene our small council at the end of Jamie Four, which we're going to be jumping into now to immediately uh, give this episode some meat and some length because John was pretty quick. So we're gonna just take a real quick hiatus. This is your intermission. Get a beverage. Go to the bathroom. If you're driving, focus on the road, and we'll be right back to discuss Jamie Four. Now. I'm still out of breath. What? How'd you get out of breath? You didn't move. I did. Okay. I ran. Anyway. A marathon. We're reading Jamie 4 now. Right. We just finished Jamie. <laughs> Jamie lost his hand last we left him. Yes. Jamie 3, uh, him and Brianne were dueling and got caught by the Brave Companions, Fargo Ho and such. And during that time, Urswick chopped his fucking hand off. And that's where we're picking up, basically, as his hand's fucking killing him. And it burns, he prays, he screams, and then he cries until he's laughed at. And then he thinks, this is must, this must be what Tyrion's felt all his life. Hmm. That sucks. And it's brutal. This chapter yeah. feels like one giant fucking toothache. We're going to start getting brutal. a lot of... A lot of how Jamie feels about himself, and it's there's self realization there too, because he's going to start saying that like he's been hurt before, but he's never taken a wound like this in any. Obviously, right. like you lost your whole fucking hand. Yeah, that, he Jamie needed to hit this rock bottom. He needed to have this crisis of identity, uh, which is a theme for much of these books with many characters. But his hand, his sword hand in particular, is something Jamie. Needed to lose to have this beginning of a realization about himself. I was just thinking about it, and I like all the different ways that that goes. How, like, Davos had his fingers chopped off. Theon's going to be having fingers chopped off. Dick. But Jamie got a full fucking hand yocked off. 
done. Yeah. And while Davos is kind of middle of the road, we all know how we feel about fucking Theon. Jamie has so far the most redemptive arc. And it's just interesting that he seems like he lost the most in physical features anyway. Uh, I mean, Theon lost his dick, too. Don't Fuck forget. Yeah, we're so not, like, I'm not counting him. I mean, it is a, it's a valid example, though, is why didn't Theon have as large a... And it's because, you know, he was constantly tortured, I believe, would be the answer. He wasn't given time to reflect on himself. It was... Right, Ramsey-wise, but... But this is a whole different circumstance, because Jamie's still trying to scheme and plot and Lannister his way out, as he does, but he's not able to anymore. He's taken a severe wound and lost one of his greatest features and one of his biggest assets in getting him out of a situation like this because now all he can do is tote his name and hope that works, which it doesn't. Bound to Brienne, his hand is dangling around his neck because fuck these people. Which is the reason I thought He's Davos. still got the eye wound that Brienne had given him and it's now leaking pus so Jamie is just not doing good at all. So back on that Davos thing, Davos just recently lost his finger, fingers that he kept around his neck. His little At the pouch. beginning of this book, the yeah. end of the last one and Jamie's now acquiring a necklace of uh, fingers here and this, I just think that's neat too. Yeah, the comparisons... Uh, to me, are apples and oranges between oh, Davos yeah, and Jamie. I mean, I mean, it was Stannis delivering it for a crime. This is outlaws, basically, and Jamie Lannister, who thinks they don't have the fucking right to touch him. So it's interesting. It's I mean, there's definitely parallels, but it's interesting in the the aftermath of what each man did with it. Davos loved Stannis for it, and Jamie's vowing vengeance. Yeah, yeah. The horse pee becomes a thing. He is forced to drink that, and it's, again, vile. He does try to fight. He gets a sword once, and he thinks that he'd rather die fighting with a sword in hand Yeah, than doing before this. that, he did. He was running his mouth a lot in his head, like he was thinking all these threats. And I just think it was funny that he's, he's sitting there just at the absolute rock bottom and just, well, if I had a sword, you'd be, and if I did, if I could, and how whiny he got there. For well, right, I mean, it's it's Jamie, like, I he's granted, still... he's getting abused as fuck. Right, and but... so it's still that default for him of, if I had my fucking sword, none of this would be happening. Yeah, and then he, obviously without his hand, the sword does him no good, because when he does get it, they just kind of step away from him. Yeah, and... he fails miserably and is disarmed and mocked even further. Um, Brienne tells him that he must live, He must, because she asks him, what are you doing? So he's staring up at the sky at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he he wonders how... How is it possible that such a beautiful night could be occurring right now? Why would they want to look at this? Watching this. And when you think about that, if he's if that's a, a thing, what else would it be looking at tonight that's not him, that is beautiful? What's occurring simultaneously? Because it made me wonder, you know, well, if it's not, if maybe it's not looking at him and what's going on. Maybe there's something else in this fucking land that's... That's worth looking at. And so I was trying to uh, perhaps, match up timelines. Perhaps John and Egret at the top of the wall, their embrace. That could, yeah, uh, yeah. That's about. That they they cool. scaled the wall about midnight. They made it to the top. And so, you know, this, he's staring at the stars. Yeah, could yeah, be that. Sure. But to me, it's more 
you have this self-reflection now. Like, what about the gods looking down on a man shoving a boy from a tower? Or stabbing his king in the back? Or any of the other vile acts that Jamie Lannister has done? It's just interesting that when he's the victim, now it's, oh, why would the gods want to look upon this sight? You lost a fucking hand. In the grand scheme of this world, yeah. you got off lucky. That's not the worst right. of it, though. Brienne's Jamie fi- Brienne lost his hand. is facing crippling, maiming, and rape all in one 40-minute period. Some of which she will still end up facing. Right. And so, like, the fact, like, this is just more of the, like, fuck you of him that's still there to me is just that, like, how dare you think that, like, oh, why would such a beautiful night be wasted on me? It fucking isn't, motherfucker. The universe <laughs> is indignant to your suffering, Jamie. No one gives a shit right now because you deserve it. You deserve this. You deserve to go through this to realize treating people like shit is really fucking shitty for them. Hmm. And so, yeah, no, that line especially because, like, that's kind of why I breezed over it because it wasn't this deep ruminating on Jamie Lannister's fucking part. It was this why me bullshit of you fucking earned your way into this. If you hadn't fought with Brienne and done all A, B, and C... You would be with two hands in King's Landing in a couple days. So Brienne asks him, what are you doing? And he says, dying. And she says, no, you must live. Are you so craven that you would die? And You he's fucking like, coward. Oh, because he's been called many things, but never craven. But then he realizes how craven he's acting, and it lights a little fire under his ass. Yeah, she tells him, live, fight, take revenge. And he thinks to himself, am I just a sword hand? Is that it? Is there nothing else to me? And he thinks, I've got Cersei waiting for me. Tyrion is probably relying on me and hoping for me. No, he lives out of spite. I've got enemies, too. Rob Stark, Edmure, who locked him in chains, these brave companions... Live, he tells himself. And so he vows to get a golden hand made with which he will rip out Vargo Hote's throat. As much as I want to say that that's the dumbest fucking thing ever to get a goddamn golden hand, it's suiting for I mean, right, spite. And, I, I, and in a moment like this, spite is as good a reason to, to live as any. And so uh, I think Brienne is intelligent here of... You know, she's seen the little glimmers here and there, and at this point, she feels that... I feel like it's less about her anything sympathetic at the moment. I think it's without this... If he dies, I don't get Sansa and Arya. I don't... I think at this point, with his hand and his stump, she pities him. Mm. I think she thinks it's gone too far. If they had just taken them prisoner and done the thing, sure. Like Jamie, deserved, I don't but think, I think that at she this point, him agrees with his their hand. cutting his hand off. I think absolutely she thinks that's too far. But I don't. I think it's purely out of if you die, then I fail Lady Catelyn and can't get the girls back. Fuck you, don't die. Hmm. And so she understands because she has been paying attention how to. No, you're a coward then, and that's gonna be what it takes. But. Yeah, I think it's more out of... I, I think there's a kindred. Girls. Like, Brienne knows exactly what he needs to hear, though. That, like, you you live and you fight and you take revenge on these fuckers. You don't just lay there and die. That's great. That's fucking pathetic. That's not the Kingslayer or the Kingsguard Jamie Lannister. That's some pissant who's laying in the mud because, oh, my luck went sour. So I think she's trying to now appeal to any sort of... 
valor that he once had of, you are a Kingsguard knight, and you're just going to lay down and die after losing your hand? Like, you sign up. Is that how Gerald Hightower right, would like hold you himself? You signed up for, basically, lifelong life service and maiming Look and death. Look at fucking Diewin up at the wall. That motherfucker's still up there smithing his life away. Right. Like, get the fuck out of here, Jamie Lannister. So the days blur together. Jamie realizes that Brienne has retreated behind her defenses her inner walls she's gone somewhere to get away from the horrid shit around her and he thinks that he's lost his walls which is essentially him saying his sword his sword was his only defense defense to him which and now to, to me is funny emotion which it's not we've seen it's not he's witty He's fucking he uses intelligent. Humor as he's a defense mechanism, right? He's, and so it's he's got some of the best qualities of Tywin and Tyrion. He just never allowed them to. But that's where he thinks he's at: is that he's lost his one defense, the one thing that made him strong and capable. And he finds humor in the fact, once it's revealed that they're heading to Harrenhal, that they're heading to Harrenhal, and. Uh, Brienne asks him why he laughed at the announcement, and he said it was, you know, the the Mad King. That was where I was crowned to the King's Garden. Immediately knighted. knighted, and immediately the Mad King sent me away, and so now here I am coming back, and it's just things come full circle, and so it's. He starts realizing that the time is going to come soon where they're going to try to rape Brienne. Yeah, and it does come three, yeah. three of them come at night: Shagwell, Rorge, and Zolo, who. It saw Zolo, not Urswick, as I said earlier. That cut Jamie's hand. Mm. And uh, they're basically discussing their plans to rape Brienne, who's going first. They're going at the same time. So Jamie tells her, go away inside. That's what he did when the Mad King killed the Starks, which would be Rickard and Brandon. Which is in th- That's a huge revelation there, that... That was so horrible to him. He yeah, had to I mean, disassociate. Right. And so it's this, like, he's not This terrible. is some of the first, he, that's, like. Like, he really did believe that Ned Stark would come up and say, thank you. Like, that was, like, he didn't, Ned didn't see what happened to his father and brother. Right. Jamie did. And so I'm absolutely certain that there was some sort of part of Jamie that was hoping Ned Stark would come up and say, thank you for avenging my father and brother. And Jamie would say, it was fucking horrible. You like absolutely because no one should die like that. And said he got what he got, and now it's sort of this bitter, but still a insight into him. Jamie wasn't pleased with that. It wasn't something he was okay with watching or even impartial to watching. Like he had to fucking disassociate and kind of think about Cersei and go into this. And I think him revealing that to Brienne is the. One of those, again, hints that we're heading that direction for him, that he's going to become this better person. I really like, it's almost like panic of how he's just kind of like, go away inside. Like, they're coming. Like this is what I did. Right, you need to do do this quick, quick, quick. And she's, of course, stubborn and says they're going to fucking regret it if they try doing anything with her. And he's like, you're going to be killed. So instead, he shouts out sapphires very loudly. And Rorge kicks his stump for it, oh, which, God. yeah, dude, fucking brutal. And the, the goat, Vargo Hope, says Brienne is not to be tussed as she's not worth to be her, what? Tussed. One more. A tussed. Oh, oh As God, she yeah. is worth her weight in sapphires. And then they had two guards on them every night when they slept after that. And Brienne asks him why he 
did what he did. And he's like, you mean why did I yell sapphires? You think this lot's going to respond to rape? It's the same thing, like yell fire instead of yelling rape because in American society, shit's fucked up. People will actually respond to fire being yelled. And so... She thanks him. She thanks him. And he kind of returned... Well, this was me thanking you for saving me with the rocks right. and the boat with... A Lannister you know, pays his debts, which right. I don't think it is It's not a Lannister no. debt. This was... And he it, was it, That was his excuse to right. grab onto, but it's a workaround to what he's actually trying to say, which is I did not want to see you raped by these fucking barbarians, and he's just not there yet because he's right. Jamie, obviously. And then they learn... Well, realize and remember that the Boltons hold Heron Hall. Yeah, he's forced to walk in, so he's made to dismount a yep. mile before they get to Heron Hall and walk with his wrist bound. Just so Hope can right, of course. parade him around. And Jamie's hate keeps him going. He is a Lannister. He is stronger than they know, and he will pay this debt with interest, he thinks. But Brienne immediately is like, yo, 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 the Bolton, the Bolton sigil. And they also see House Frey's sigil, as well as the, the direwolf of Stark. Jamie notes instead the spiked heads that line the walls. Yeah. Which is correct and apt that, like, we're at fucking war right now. We've been, especially you and I, Brian, have been disconnected from said war now for a good little right. bit. And they also know that the wolves have been just as devastating to the land that well, they've Jamie been Well, Jamie trev- knows that trev- be- like better than anyone that men at war are riled up. Like, you can't... Pr- and that's what I'm saying here is that, like, Bolton's fray, it doesn't matter. They're at war, so anything it could, could happen any, here. W- right? Brienne yeah. could be fucking beheaded for stealing him, and then they could just kill him outright for escape. Like, yeah, this is, uh, this is messed yeah, up. So- One of the fucking douchebags kills a dog, spikes a dog on a lance, and starts saying he's... Bearing the banister of Lang- Lang- uh, Kingslayer. The banner of Lannister. That. And fuck that guy. He needs to die. Yep. And then Jamie is thrown in front of the, the phrase lining the top of the stairs. Yeah, a lot approach. of people come out to gawk and watch him. But yeah, he, he calls it a fury of phrase. Yeah, that's I like. And offers um, condolences for Sir Cleos. Right. And Brienne then wrenches forward asking and says, you know, hear me, my lords. And they ask who... She is, who the fuck you be? And she says her name and her oaths, who she's sworn to. And Sir Aenys Frey spits at Brienne's feet and says that Rob Stark repaid their loyalty with betrayal. And Jamie is very much so interested to hear this little bit, which is the first sign of the Freys and the Boltons right. now collaborating, conspir- conspiring the red wedding yes um yeah there was some serious disdain there that jamie immediately picked up on and then even com comments to himself which about. i just i think this scene in hindsight is so fucking great because it's the coming together of the three houses that conduct the red wedding right. and it's just jamie's happenstance like if catelyn didn't do it if there wasn't this one last little bargaining chip, would it have been different, maybe? Is this the thing that seals the Red Wedding? How far along is the Red Wedding planned at this point? Is Bolton in on it? I believe he is at this point. But, like, I just feel like Jamie getting delivered here is such a huge boon for the Red Wedding conspirators that, fuck me, man, the universe is 
of Westeros is just messing with shit now because Tywin's heir and son shows up at Bolton's ruled place, the man he's conspiring with against King Rob and the Freys who fucking hate Rob right now. Like, right. it's just... And that's, I mean, that that helps cement Bolton knowing he's, I'm, I'm going to be powerful now with Tywin because not only am I helping plan this whole shindig at the the red wedding i'm helping return his son right and that's when he speaks up actually is after the spitting occurs as usual they comment how you know he can just speak so softly and quiet everybody and he snatches the fucking hand off and just lose like what the fuck what the fuck because he's the only actual person here that has any kind of logic or sense in his fucking head even if it is scary and flayed and been placed throughout different bodies. Yeah, uh, jumping back quick to where he was introduced when he was so quiet that everyone quieted to hear him. Yeah. Um, Jamie gets bold and yeah. asks when when it was that Bolton stopped running, which is interesting. Last because, I knew you were running with your tail between your legs from my father. And it says, Bolton's silence is far more threatening than Fargo Holt's open malevolence. His eyes hide more than they told. Vampire. And they remind him of Ned Stark. Northern eyes, man. Northern eyes? Fuck yeah. The no. honor, the fucking... Uh, or do you think it... Like, because of a, a deep secret that's being held? Or, like... I... I mean, I could tell you that it's probably because he skin changed and part of him took Ned Stark's more superior eyes and placed them in this No, body. what I was taking, the, especially this reread, is that... Bruce Bolton is Ned Stark's foil. He is, he's got the same piercing look. Speaks, uh, it reminded me also of the, the quiet wolf. Uh, he oh, speaks yeah, yeah. softly, men need, the, the men quiet to hear him. Like, this is a version of Ned Stark. He upholds northern values, but in the most brutal traditional ways of flaying and potentially sacrificing to the werewood trees and shit like that. The Boltons and are fuck guest, right? fucking dark. Well, that's that's what's interesting to me here is that we get that line at the the, the seed, the, the barking point, the brainstorming sesh for the Red Wedding that's going to be killing Ned Stark's family. And so, yes, I do think it's a direct tie-in to the secret of... They're both capable of playing this lordly northerner role, but keeping something hidden, very fucking hidden. And I do think that's the comparison here, is that Roose Bolton is a very scary Ned Stark and is hiding just as much or capable of hiding just as vital information. Or Well, that's it. Because if you put Ned uh, Roose Bolton in Ned Stark's place when, when Robert came north, King's Landing's fucked. That would have been terrifying, yeah. Because if, if Bruce tracked down the same type of stuff that uh, that John Aaron was looking into, and he had that confrontation with Cersei about, you know, knowing the truth yeah, and yeah, he's yeah. telling Robert, that's not how that would have went down at all with fucking Bruce. Right. At all. I mean, I don't think we have the time in this one episode to, to speculate, speculate right. what the fuck But no, yeah, there, it's, but... A, it's an interesting comparison. That Jamie Lannister, of all people, because, like, you know... The, the scene that comes to mind is Ned Stark coming up to him on the throne and 
that was after like the sack of King's Landing. Ned was fired up in a battle and was uh, coming upon the throne room. The king, the mad king, the man who killed his father and his brother, you know there was some fire in Ned Stark's eyes. And so he sees that reflected here in this super calm, collected Roose Bolton. And it's there. that's not an innocuous line. Like, that is something... Placed. Placed specifically by yeah, George, yeah. right. That cool. they're, 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 This is a foil. This is Ned Stark lawful evil this is anti-stark right this is lawful evil ned stark as opposed to lawful good ned right. stark like right and so yeah he has the hand removed and ho is like yeah we'll send it to his father in bits and i love bolton because he like because they start laughing they're like yeah and car stark's promised a maid to whoever captures the kingslayer and bolton's like well car stark was beheaded by king rob and Tywin's going to be in King's Landing until his son Joffrey, or his grandson Joffrey marries Marjorie. And whoa, 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 what? Right, and like, Brienne's like, no, Sansa, and he's like, no, Marjorie Tyrell, Blackwater changed all. And like, that's where it was like, okay, this motherfucker likes being the knowledge guy, being the one in the know, because oh, this you slow trickle of information oh, yes. is, yeah, yes. right, it's... Lord Stannis was crushed from the rear. So Jamie asks about Cersei, of course, and Bolton tells him that she is well, and the imp took a battle, uh, uh, an injury on the battlefield, but lives, and Joffrey's well. Your nephew. With a pause that it says implicitly, I know. Yeah, that no. Which is the that. that's the that's the feel in the waters. So that's <clears> the <throat> testing out, like. How is Jamie going to respond to me saying the most basic open known fact at this point? We all know Joffrey is your incest. Here's the thing, though. That news didn't become prevalent until after he left King's Landing. Yeah, there was, you know, I'm sure he'd heard rumor. The letters and shit that were sent out. But that was right as he was leaving, I'm pretty sure. Sure. And so he's been in captivity. He doesn't know how widespread that knowledge has become. Oh, I'm sure he heard many jeers and shit talk when he was a captive. You sister fucker. The king is fucking illegitimate. Like, your son. Like, I'm sure he got shit on for it in Rob's camp. Makes sense. Like, on the daily. Um, just to mock him, you know, sister fucker. Like, right, you're right. disgusting. You don't deserve to live type shit. And your kid doesn't hold the claim. Right. And so... Um, he sent he, he sends has, Jamie to yeah, Kyburn. He has him sent off to Kyburn, and Brienne is unbound, and she tells him, my lord, these men tried to rape me. And he says he's displeased by this and by Jamie's hand as well. And so, again, it's this... I, I think that Martin is trying to deliberately confuse us here of, like, he's displeased by Brienne being raped, so we're like, oh, oh, like, Stark, okay, good, like, that's good, but then displeased by Jamie's hand, and it's like, well... He's alive, so like technically, the deal still stands. You should be happy to have Jamie. You are on Rob Stark's side. Yeah, regardless, you of just caught him, and so like obviously, I'm displeased with you, Vargo Hope. But it's this, this balancing scale yeah, for yeah. Bolton of like he's Which doing just enough he? to seem like he's on Rob Stark's side still, but he's also kind of getting in these little like in ways with Jamie, and I like it. But yeah, he. We cut away to Kyburn. Tells him that, uh, yeah, he, Jamie and Brian, because Brian asks for her armor back, and he's like, "You don't need it. You're under my protection as his lord, Jamie." And so they're marched off separately, 
and Kyburn sees to his hand, which... Kyburn. Hmm. This is some of the, the good stuff, He man. needs to take part of the arm because the corruption has spread. Jamie ain't having fucking any of that. And so, essentially... He's going to just peel away the burned, fr- corrupted yeah, he flesh. He tells him, cut it. the hand, where, like the stump part where you have to Ooh. slice that shit off. It's going to look basically like... And burn it out with wine. <clears throat> look like the scene that Samwell is peeling the the dragon scale off of Jorah from the show. And basically that... Gray scale. With, what did I say? Dragon, dragon scale. scale. My bad. Yeah. The, the gray scale. Uh, and so it... But it just... Peeling Much the worse. burn and an it's going to be infected open. Wound well, yeah, that's where I was going. Fucking, ugh, yeah, that's been brutal. kicked and stomped on and ah, uh. yeah. And Jamie also, so he refuses any other part of his arm being cut, and then he also refuses anything for the pain. And Kyburn says, you know, there will be pain, and Jamie says, I'll scream fucking loud. So let's do it, and they do it. They do the ting. Jamie screams while they're doing the thing, and then ends up passing out. And when he wakes up, Kyburn is sewing him. And Jamie asks Kyburn how it is that a maester came to be with the brave companions. And all Kyburn says is, the Citadel took my chain. And then very quickly says, I need to I see th- to your eye because yeah. uh, that's infected as well. Which is the one that was caused by Brienne. So by we don't get as much. In the show, we get this whole little like, oh, they didn't so like far. my practices. Right. But like, hmm. Because he travels, doesn't he travel with with Jamie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so they this do some talking. Kyber so will be in, but yeah, in the immediate initial yeah, introductions yeah, yeah. here, we're not. He's much well. more mysterious with it, and almost seems just you know a guy who knows his shit. And so he sees to the eye wound, and Jamie asks more about Blackwater, and this is where Kyburn tells him that Stannis was caught between Tywin and the fire. It is said the imp set the river itself aflame, and Jamie thinks he could see that. Because he's dreamed this dream before, which is just an interesting fucking line for Jamie, where the caches of wildfire, all that stuff with the Mad King is something that he feared in that time, and instead it's his family, indeed his brother, who's utilizing it and setting part of the city aflame in this monumental occurrence that fucking devastated the war and changed the entire tide of the war. Of course, that's not being said about Tyrion, but Jamie is getting this sort of that funny feeling of like, oh, oh, I've, I've heard this story before. I know this tale. And he tells Kyburn that he should see to Brienne as well as she took some injuries. And Kyburn says, he will, but who is she to you? And Jamie says, my protector, and then laughs. <laughs> but again, I actually think that's one of the more honest things he said this entire sure, time is, yeah. Yeah, I think he's kind of realizing he fucked up, that if... She was treating him all right for as much disdain as she had for him. She wasn't cutting off fucking limbs. And so, like, he kind of fucked the, fucked the goose there. And tomorrow, Kyburn says that he'll come back and leech his eye of the bad blood and get all that shit out of there. And says that Lord Bolton is very fond of leeches. And Jamie just says, yes, he, he would about be. The phrase? What? Are the phrase leeches? He's fond of leeches. And they are essentially the leech of the land, and he's. I don't know. I think it's more. I think it's more the comparison to the Boltons of like. I. I mean, I think it could encompass that. That sure, yeah, obviously he's fond of leeches, having the phrase here, but I think it's more that Bolton is that little bloodsucker who will come up, take what he needs, and god damn it, (laughs) take what he needs, and then move on for more sustenance, and so. 
Uh, that's the end of Jamie 4, and it's a hell of a good chapter. Bruce Bolton being all quiet and scary is great. Kyburn got a pretty major scene here, finally. And so with that, we will convene our small council for the John 4, Jamie 4 Fuck yeah. episode Did and get in We don't okay. have a large council. Wait. We're doing inductees. Oh. Yeah. Uh, for John 4 first, we'll start with... Uh, you got an inductee? For John 4, I'm going with Ghost, dude. Ghosty boy. Because I don't know if he appears... Because it's been long enough. I don't know if he reappears in Sam's next chapter or if it's a couple chapters away first before we get some, some Ghost back. But yeah. I, I think it's I, at least one or two. But Yeah, I wanted to give get him in as often as I can before sure. he goes away. You know, Ghosty boy. Ghosty boy it is. Uh, my inductee for John 4 is going to be The Wall because of it. It Just read the chapter, mm-hmm. and its presence is the largest thing in the fucking chapter. And so, yeah, The Wall, that seems to try to shake grit off, that defends itself, that has men frozen inside it. It's terrifying. It's the edge of the world. It's the hinge of the world, which I think is a much more evocative description of it because what the fuck does that mean? Uh, so The Wall, yeah. For John Four, hell yeah, and, and then uh, we'll just go through ours first, real quick. Jamie Four, uh, inductee. You got one? Yeah, mine's Bruce Bolton. Are Bruce. you kidding me? It nice. has to be Bruce, because uh, I, I thought about doing Ned Stark, but so uh, Ned is my inductee. Yeah, uh, mainly because, and I guess like that'll tie into because Ned's still haunting Jamie. Yeah, and like he's he's. Ned Stark represents goodness to his children and honor and what to do in the ideal. But to some, he's the villain. And I really like that, that Jamie Lannister is equating Ned Stark to Bruce Bolton. And then what we see And from definitely Bruce Bolton not the here, first person that's seen Ned as the villain. Right, right, right. Absolutely. Well is not fond of him because he was the one that, that banished him. But, yeah, so I gave it to Ned because yeah. he's... He's still here. He's still present, you and know. Many characters, and yeah. He's breaking his leg every single time. So we got an inductee for John and Jamie from Karen. And her inductee for John 4 is Egret. I think this is the last or second to last chapter before she has her heart broken to induct her for being wise and not frightened. Plus, she can warm up by the fire. And then for Jamie, uh, I do want to. She <laughs> Her email is great. Uh, Karen's email on this Jamie chapter is great, but the one part of it I do want to read is, Lord Bolton is very fond of leeches, Kyburn said primely. Yes, said Jamie, he would be. Evidence for vampire Ruth? Fuck you! I think Fuck so. Fuck you! All right, Karen. All right. All right, Karen. Thank you, Karen. All right, Karen. Thank All right. you. All right, Karen. Karen. All right, Karen. Inductees, Brandon and Lord Rickard Stark for their horrible deaths. They deserve some comfort of brotherhood. Uh... Yeah, man, that's one of the more brutal, like, history factotums that... Factotor. Sorry. It is terrible. Uh, The Mad King sucks. (laughs) That's just a terrible... Who thinks of that shit? (laughs) Anyway, thank you, Karen. Uh, As always. Thank you so much. Uh, We also did get, for the very first time writing in, Mags. Yes. Who wrote in from our website, uh, brotherhoodwithout.com. Hey. I think. Let me check that. I should look at it. Mags. Probably not. 
said they've been listening yeah. for a while and have finally caught up. So that's yes. excellent. Wonderful. Thank We're you for so listening. thrilled and decided to write in. They wrote in for John for we didn't get the one for Jamie just yet. That's okay, don't um, but they also might not have known that we were combining the two. So they said for their inductee, I'd like to pour one out for and induct Jarl and his climbing team. They showed a lot of courage. If they can get up and over a 700-foot wall of ice, then pretty much nowhere would be out of the Brotherhood's reach. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, let Littlefinger better watch his step. Uh, we appreciate you writing in, Mags. And for Zach, Mags also wrote in here some tinfoil just for you. I love the tinfoil. Sandor Clegane is Azora High. Um, I don't think that's tinfoil. So I think that's plausible. I, that I have to tell you, that beautiful man deserves to be Azora. We we read your email the other day, Mags, when it came in, and we probably spent like forty five minutes. Well, at least I spent forty five minutes talking at Zach about all the possible and plausible ways in which Sandor could be there. I think he was busy. I don't know, trying to work on something. Productive. Watch, we're gonna find out that the three. Dogs on the banister of House Clegane. One, w- you keep calling it a banister like it's a hand. Did I say banister? Banner of House Clegane. Uh, one's going to be called Nisa Nisa. The other one's going to be Salt, and the other one's going to be Smoke. And the hound was born out in the dog kennels. He was born amid salt and smoke, and then it had to kill Misa Misa. Misa Nisa. Sandra Clegane is Azora High. Thank you, Mags, for catching up, for writing in, and for providing us. Excellent tinfoil. We look forward to your next inductees. So, uh, the ne- this next email is not an inductee per se. Uh, it is Kristen who is catching up and has powered through and is very quickly gaining on us. And I just wanted to point out, she said we buried the lead. You guys, you taught, and this is for uh, Sansa two of a storm of swords. So this is when Sansa's dress is being made. You talked about some minor editorial mishaps in the chapter, the seamstress, but didn't mention the big one. That Sansa recounted, re- recollected kissing the hound when she didn't actually kiss the hound. What about that? I believe George has spoken on this particular inconsistency and said it was intentional. I would have loved to have hear your thoughts on why. Uh, I, I really thought it was kind of simple, and so I didn't think it was huge to include. I just basically thought it was sort of traumatic, and so... She's remembering it a little worse than it was. Uh, she, to her, I mean, and and I, you know, this is just my thoughts, is that scene was basically as scary and terrifying as if he did kiss her. It, it's just he was there in her space. He, he was close. And yeah. Right. And so, like, I think she's misremembering just out of the trauma of it, of – at the time, she was being a badass and handled it and sung to him and all that. But I think just after the fact, it was a traumatizing experience for yeah, her. Yeah, similar to how when when Cersei was going to feed the poison to, to her kids and she was going off being Blackwater drunk and Sansa was leading the hymns and calming the people still because she was in no position to be settling them people down. But she kind of just lives up to the occasion and then has a breakdown afterwards. Yeah, so so I think that's all it was. I mean, and maybe, maybe I'm probably going to get so much shit for this. I'll give him so much shit. Maybe a dash of wishful thinking of the Hound really isn't as terrible as I thought and reflecting on it, like... You know, maybe... So, I not that I agree with you, because shit on Zach, not me. Um, I, I kind of like this concept of she's married to Tyrion. 
What if she? What if I never want to do that with you? And not that she wants to in any way have any kind of sexual relation with Hound, but almost as if I want to does knight. this knight does have this attractiveness, even though he's hideous. She is more than capable of looking past the. It's it will one day if you know because she's still a young girl. Right. One day quickly, I think, be more about the the nobility, not the nobility, the. Morality of the people, how they act, what they for uphold sure. yeah, for yeah, their yeah. their virtues, and so I think that yeah, it could potentially be not longing for the kiss, no, but right, longing right. for the night that he can right, be right. the chivalry, and that so it's he almost could that. Yeah, that's uh, what I superimposed I see it on it, but yeah, in a terrifying you know wartime setting, she was horrified of Blackwater and. Yeah, I think it was just sort of that, the stress of the moment. But there may be more to it. Of course, it let us know what uh, your thoughts are and but how we're you, wrong. But thank you, Kristen, and we just wanted to address that because yeah. you specifically said you wanted our thoughts on it. Anyway, those were our thoughts, feelings, yours, and our inductees on John 4 and Jamie 4. If you were not able to get yours in and you would like to, you can email us at withoutmannersbrotherhood at gmail.com. You can send us a message over on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at uh, mannerswithout. <laughs> You're at carstark92, not me mm-hmm. uh we also have the facebook.com slash brotherhood podcast go check it out we're on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify spotify's killing it yo thanks for listening on spotify yo i mean thanks for listening Fuck wherever yeah. you're listening true story yeah because yeah, there's a bunch of like smaller platforms that i'm not i've never even heard of that people are checking it out on it's like that's pretty cool too yeah so leave us a review if you do like what you hear let us know what you want to hear uh we do do some occasional side stuff on our patreon we're working on catching up with that stuff we are working on part two of the duncan egg special yeah that's going to be getting recorded fairly soon yeah here, i do believe it's on and the schedule so- and then next time we're going to be reading Tyrion 4, which Tyrion's going to start hearing a little ditty from a certain singer about hands of gold and being cold and such. And then after that, we are back north of the wall with Sam 2 at Craster's Keep Sam, with the Night's wow. Watch. Is this the mutiny? Ooh. Is this the mutiny? We'll see. And so you'll have to join us to see. Send us your inductees for those. We'll catch you on the next one. Valor Harris. Peace. Peace.